This is episode number 37 of the Beard and Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. We drop new episodes of this podcast every Monday morning. You can find them at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. And of course, you can find them on iTunes, where we highly recommend you leave both a review and a rating. Before we get started with the topics we're going to be talking about, I mean, we like to talk about what we're drinking to get in the mood, get loose. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So what are you doing tonight? I, to get really amped up for this show, <laughs> I drank a whiskey and ginger beer and had some coffee with some butter in it. Y'all don't know me. <laughs> I think that's called bulletproof coffee. No, that's with coconut oil. Yeah, you got to add something else to it. I think I've done that same mixture before that you've done on the show. Speed you up and slow you, slow down, you down at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going with the classic Moscow Mule. If, I mean, we are going to tweet out the recipe, but we've done that a million times now because the Moscow Mule is our go-to. Everyone, I think, should be drinking it as they're listening right now. Right. Everyone should be very familiar with this Gosling's Sponsorship check. Beer. We're waiting yeah, for it exactly. every week. We go to our mailbox. Still not a check. All right. Tis the holiday season, as I'm sure everyone is aware. I'm staring at a Christmas tree right now, actually, <laughs> with lights that blink. As this episode is coming out, I think we are the week after the black friday craziness that mm-hmm. has gone down so we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode or a little be- out for the people that got trampled on black friday in yeah, memory of <laughs> exactly <laughs> we have a lot of listeners that aren't in america true i'd be curious hit us up at 904-270-9603 what does black friday mean in your country if you're outside of america i mean does that mean anything have any impact i'd be curious to hear some of those sure yeah. some of those insights but beyond all that let's get right into it what's our first topic for tonight Corey? What are we doing? FTC guidelines for internet marketing. So that's going to be applicable for people that do business in America and some things you need to keep in mind to keep legal status and not get letters from attorney generals. Tips for writing content on the internet in general. And wrapping it up with trends from Black Friday shopping. What changes did we see this year? And lastly, tips for holiday e-commerce success, which... We already warned you a couple months ago, you should have had your stuff planned out. But if you're looking for some quick tips on making that last dollar, I think we can spare a couple. So we're going to wrap up the episode with that and also a surprise topic at the end. Oh, really? Okay. But I'll leave that for being a surprise. (laughs) So, Rob, why don't you get us started off with the FTC and the people that can wreck your lives if you're not doing things right. Um, Those Our friends over at the FTC. Well, we have some international listeners. So who is the FTC? the FTC? Federal Trade Commission here in the United States enforces deceptive practices in advertising sure. and, uh, you know, keeps an eye out for Just the consumers. in general. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Our focus, at least today, is going to be what are their stances on internet marketing? What are some guidelines they have? They have an upcoming workshop called Blurred Lines Advertising Our Content. That's actually an in-person thing that you can actually go to oh. and, and discuss advertorial content on the web and, mm-hmm. and what are some of the guidelines that need to be created for that. Those are things like paid blog posts on other things, mm-hmm. um, content sections on your website that are actually sponsored by someone else, and making sure that visitors to your website are well aware that that, in fact, is an advertisement. You are being paid for that thing that is not an endorsement from you personally, that kind of stuff. They enforce like the Can Spam Act of email marketing. Yeah, and stuff like yeah. That. They do a lot of, they do tons of things related mm-hmm. to internet marketing. And that's sort of why I wanted to bring this up. I think a lot of people in the internet marketing world aren't actually aware 
that some of these guidelines that you sort of intuitively know aren't right, you know, like we mm. should tell people that this is an advertisement. I mean, those are actually enforceable by the FTC. They do have guidelines. They do go after people for some of these things. I know it's a big problem in the affiliate marketing world all oh, the yeah. time because they're always on the bleeding edge of deceptive marketing. Those fake news sites. I'm sure everyone oh, has come across a, a ton of. Maybe people don't even know that they're fake news yeah, sites. Yeah, exactly. Some of them do look pretty legit. I, you know, I, actually, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't name names of people in the internet marketing community who have been fooled by these affiliate marketing uh, yes. schemes. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. All right, so l let me just go through a few of these things that I thought were interesting or that might apply to a lot of people. Or things that people may not be really aware of that are actual guidelines slash laws slash you could get fines for these things. One being, and this applies to guys like us, consultants in the internet marketing world, a lot of our listeners are these types of people. Advertising agencies and website designers are actually responsible for reviewing the information that they substantiate in their ad claims. Does that make sense? So sure. if you are writing ads for a client in a consulting manner, you are actually responsible for the content in those ads. It is your job to make sure that the claims in there are factual, that they're not just totally making things up, and that they can deliver on the claims that are in the ads. Even if the company is telling you to do X in your ad copy. Right. That's X. actually the next line here in, this, in, the, in the guideline is they, you may not simply rely on the advertiser's assurance that the claims are substantiated. You actually have to go and do the research yourself. Wow. So that's something to keep an eye on. Keep in mind, you're liable. You're yeah, exactly. Some other things, and again, some of these things seem obvious, but again, you can't get in trouble for not doing some of these things. These are actual rules, not just, I'd like to do these. <laughs> Disclaimers and disclosures must be clear and conspicuous. A disclaimer or a disclosure alone, though, is not enough to remedy a false or deceptive claim. So, for example, this, and I'm sure you, everyone sees this every day online, those you win a free iPod things with the mile-long disclaimer at the <laughs> bottom, those are not up to snuff, right? So they can get into legal trouble for that. You have to be situated in the island nation of Micronesia <laughs> to be eligible and things like that. And I would also say this, that the FTC fines can be a substantial amount of money. So... When we're talking fines here, this isn't like you forgot your handicap sticker. I think looking at spam email, I think it's up to 10000 per email address. You don't want to mess around with spam. Yeah, <laughs> that, that can hurt you. Yeah. Hard. I, I, it's five or ten, something like that, something per spam per that you sent out. You can yeah, be fined up to. It's unbelievable. These are not just general guidelines with a small consequence. They can be quite large. And if your company gets tagged for some of these and you are the marketing manager and it's your job to kind of keep these things in mind, it, it could cost you a job or yeah. you know, even more depending on how much, how your company contract is situated, especially if you're a consultant. Two more things I wanted to cover that I think probably most companies use in some respect or another or, or things that everyone's aware of. Testimonials and endorsements must reflect the typical experiences of consumers a statement that not all consumers will get the same results is not enough to, you know, worm your way out of that, mm -hmm. which I think is what everyone sees on those diet commercials. Oh, yeah. You know, results not typical. That's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Can't get taxed for that. Yeah. And one final thing is guarantees if your ads or websites or whatever uses phrases like satisfaction guaranteed or money back guarantee, you are required by law to give full refunds for any reason. Not just if the product is defective or whatever. If someone wants their money back, you have to give it back if you use if, if you, you make have that used promise. those phrases. Gotcha. So some things to keep in mind. Keep yourself out of the legal troubles. Yep.
Especially, I mean, if you do commerce in America, you will be liable for that, whether or not you're based in America. Mm-hmm. The FTC will still come under your guidelines. So keep those in mind. It might be a good refresher. What was the name of that workshop again? Blurred Lines? Blurred Lines Content or Advertising? Or might be worth like a check out. We're going to tweet out the link with some of these guidelines, but it might be a good refresher. Fines from the FTC are no joke and can be quite devastating to a business or a consultant. So keep those in mind. All right, moving right along. Wanted to get our pens out and talk about writing for a little bit. What's a pen? I don't know. I don't know how to write anymore. <laughs> I have a keyboard. <laughs> Came across an interesting article on eConsultancy that talks about writing. Really, what they talk, what they framed the article in it about is writing for product pages. But I thought a lot of these concepts really apply to writing and content in general. And I thought they were worth a review because I think that, especially in our space and like online marketing and the emphasis is on conversion, sometimes copy takes a back seat. It's almost like copy becomes filler on pages Mm -hmm. for us to get from one picture to another or to fill out a page or the SEO guys tell us we need this or we want to get our quality score up or whatever. Copy just becomes a secondary thing to conversion, but really depending on how you work in the space, it can be a big deal. So a couple tips I wanted to, to go through and share my own personal experiences on. So one of the ones that I thought was often forgotten about, especially with how fragmented some companies can become, is make sure that you use a consistent tone throughout all of your, what they talk about in here and all your products, but I would say in all really your marketing channels. So if you're a brand that's built up around being funny or exuding luxury or things of that nature make sure that in all your channels you keep this like consistent voice because i think what can happen is people start getting inconsistent experiences and if your company is built around a mantra or a theme then it's important to continue that all the way through because what you start getting is these fragmented experiences and what people come to know your brand for and really buy into then becomes not present and that experience that they've come to expect isn't really there. And what can really happen is depending on where that process full falls out can really cost yourself conversions, especially if you are using a tone of voice or writing style more on the front end of conversion, but then they're getting to the point where it's going to cost them time, like they need to put their information in for a lead, or they're going to check out, or whatever the process may be, and there's a break in that, I think then people start to question more about this product. Who am I doing business with? Is this company really who they set themselves out to kind of sell me on? So I think it is important to have that like consistent experience in your copy. I think that's especially true when you start dealing with the brands that have the more informal types uh, Mm -hmm. of messaging and theming across their website. You you can read a landing page or whatever it is, uh, messaging that's very informal, speaks like directly to you. It's very casual. And then you get further into the process and it becomes very corporate you know, fill in the form below, submit it. And then the thank you email is very straightforward and simple. And you've sort of lost that character, all that branding and character that you've built. Yeah. And people now, uh, I don't really like this brand anymore. It was kind of cool, but yeah. Keeping a consistent voice important. I would also say that one thing that people forget about with copy as well is how does it and where does it appear 
on your pages. In particular, in this article, they talk about product page, where that can really play in a big role in how people are absorbing your copy. And I think that it's taking a step back. A lot of people do not think about how their copy reads well on their website. Now, I work in a in the consulting world, as do you, so I'm blessed with the opportunity to work with a bunch of different companies. And it's amazing how some of them will write copy for a page, and essentially they just stick it up on a page and kind of fill some things in. But they never take a step back and say, you know, I've arrived at this page. How does this read? Not just does this copy make sense, But are there headers here? Does the content get broken up? Are there nice, easy, digestible chunks? Is there some bulleted lists that keep me engaged? Are there some nice design cues that kind of keep me going along in the copy? And sometimes good copy is not enough. It's also having a good visual reading experience for me to digest this copy. So along with tips for writing on the internet, I think that you cannot ignore how that content looks. You're not writing a book. You're writing for copy to be digested by a display device, and it needs to be a good reading experience. And that probably depends, too, on your demographic. Maybe if you're selling to a an older crowd or ones that people are just used to reading books all the time, maybe you can, you can <laughs> write like that. But I think for the general population, I would say that in my experience, attention spans have gone down. So you have to keep that in mind with how you are displaying your copy that it's not just becoming this laborious being lines and lines and lines of copy and getting lost. Yeah, I know. And I know that this is anecdotal, but the way that I read websites is straight subheadlines, headlines, and bullet points. Mm-hmm. I don't read paragraphs of copy anymore. So taking that as an example, you know, maybe it's a good idea to, when you write copy for a website, make sure that the subheadlines, headlines, bullet points make sense on their own. Sure. Right. So if I just scan the page and just see those elements, is it a very coherent story? Do I get the main points? Does that actually make sense? Don't just use those as only visual elements, mm-hmm. but make sure that they stand on their own. And then also, obviously, the, the supporting copy and paragraphs support those things and further reinforce those. But, you know, for guys like I'm, I'm sure you're the same, just scanning web pages. We're not actually mm-hmm. reading a lot of that copy. Make no. sure your subheadlines, Ain't bullet points, right, everything tell a story on their own. Well, and that's actually a perfect segue, which we actually didn't talk about before we got on the show, but making sure that your key features and benefits are very easily read. And in particular, I have some direct test experience with a really large retailer where we ran some tests on their actual product pages where we did a lot of testing around their product descriptions. And what actually prompted this test is I went to this site and I can't read this copy it's too small so we ran i ran actually a pretty big multivariate because they had the traffic to support it where i looked at upping the product's copy and also manipulating there's a there was a key bulleted list at the end of the product copy that gave like the key benefits or the key attributes about the product like it's a woven jacket or whatever and adjusting the product copy font size made no difference at all. What made the most impact consistently was changing up the key benefits and attributes. Now, this is, again, just one retailer, but I think it does speak to how much people do pay attention to just kind of the summation of 
the benefits or the key features about product pages and how important those really are and, and making sure that those are easy to read and stand out. So when you say changing up, you mean increasing the font size? Or? Increasing the font size, but also bolding. Okay. And I also played around with the list style type. So I actually found a difference between, by default, they were dashes or triangles or something like that. And there was actually a statistically measured difference when we moved to a circle style. Oh, gotcha. The key features, and which actually really surprised me, I thought that normalizing the font to where, I think a Zoolander reference, what is this made for, like, <laughs> ants? Making the actual font readable would have made a difference, but I guess... For this retailer anyways, maybe people just like we were talking about earlier, just kind of scanning it through and they just want the key benefits. So it would have been interesting to test that without that copy at all. I mean, I don't know that that would have been a feasible test, (laughs) but um, I think that with certain things like that, I think copy is necessary if only just it makes people feel more comfortable because there is it is on the page. I'm not actually going to read it, but I want there to be some sort of substance. Well, you know, maybe the good in between might have been to hide the text in a collapsible box or Mm -hmm. to maybe truncate design-wise the description of the product a little bit and a click read more will actually expand that box as maybe a way to satisfy your SEO team or whatever who might run over to your office and pour lava on you or something, I don't know, (laughs) in protest. But anyways, so those are some tips for product pages. There's a couple other tips that might be worth your time reading on, but I wanted to cover some more generalized tips for writing on the internet and some things to keep in mind that I think a lot of people gloss over and maybe need to keep in mind. So moving right along, Black Friday, bum, 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 just happened a couple of days ago. And you had some stats on some trends that we noticed this year and maybe some divergence from past trends. Yes. So we're coming here to the end of the the podcast. We're going to just talk about holiday things from mm-hmm. here on out. Bing, bing. Exactly. Like you said, it was Black Friday weekend. Obviously, the largest sales, whatever. People go nuts. People People trample each other. Actually, I don't think I caught any news articles. Did you of people who died getting injured or I'm um, sure there had to be. No, I did. Actually, I was watching the news with my wife the other night. And it was on Colbert, which is my news. It's news. It's news. (laughs) There was someone stabbed in a parking lot in Illinois and over over PlayStation 4, I believe, or Xbox One. And there were a couple of serious injuries, but there was at least one stabbing. Wow. Worth it. (laughs) All in all, though, may may actually be not outstanding of like Black Friday. Like that might be a normal. Yeah, normal distribution of events. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so overall for Black Friday, here, here are a couple of things that have happened this year. And I think, you know, some of this may seem obvious to people, but putting some numbers to it, putting some figures behind it may, you know, help reinforce some of those things. So... Holiday sales in general are up 2.3% this year, this Black Friday holiday weekend time over last year's. Now, this is total retail, not just online? Yes, this is total retailers. Barely increased sales by a measly 2.3%. That is actually the smallest smallest increase increase since 2009. Okay. It's it's weird when we start talking about smallest increases. Yeah, exactly. $12.3 billion in sales at brick-and-mortar stores. On Thanksgiving and Black Friday, because now we open on Thanksgiving, obviously. So let's talk about online sales, though. Online sales up 20% from last year on Thanksgiving and 19% on Black Friday. Okay. So those are huge. So People got OD'd on pumpkin pie, didn't want to get up and go out into public and just shop online instead. <laughs> yes. 
their style. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, now stores are open on Thanksgiving, sales on Friday, Black Friday, fell 13.2% from last year. Okay. And foot traffic in brick and mortar stores is down 11.4% on Black Friday. Again, because everybody's running out on Thanksgiving trying to get those hot deals. Or online. Or on well, yeah, both, and okay. then so not going out on Black Friday. Right. There are actually a couple anecdotes in this article, and you know, obviously, we'll tweet this out so everyone can get the the full real deal. This is from Bloomberg, and there are a few anecdotes in there of people who had sort of were surprised of going out on Black Friday, and then not nearly as many people out as they expected. This, mm-hmm. this sort of craziness. I mean, sans your couple of stories of people <laughs> getting injured and stabbed, the craziness wasn't nearly there, right? So, I mean, there actually was a parking spot that I could find, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a crazy line at the I store. I was checking my watch to make sure it was actually still Black Friday. <laughs> yeah. One of the other takeaways, so those are some stats, obviously, and I think that this makes sense. Everyone assumes this. Online sales are up. Brick-and-mortar stores sales are down, especially with the expansion of the weekend into Thanksgiving Day itself, bring spread out more and more. And especially now that there's Cyber Monday, I mean, people are shopping online from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday into the week. So things are a lot more spread out and it's mostly online now. But one other thing to mention, and this is a new trend that has started to take off, is that people are doing more and more online shopping comparison, planning, and really scheming out in advance what exactly they're going to be buying on the Black Friday weekend. So in both online stores and in brick and mortar stores, people have a very direct list that they are planning on purchasing. Okay. And the plan of attack. Right. And one trend that they're actually starting to see now in brick and mortar stores is people are so specific. I mean, even in terms of like colors of items they're looking for, they will completely leave the store, not purchase anything. They'd rather go without than end up with something that wasn't on their planned ah, list. No settling. No, right. No. Right. Exactly. And another big takeaaway from that is that in brick and mortar stores, Black Friday weekends. What part of that is the online? Like, yeah. oh, you don't have it in your store? Well, then I'll go online. Right. It. Exactly. Because I scoped this out ahead of time and mm-hmm. it's online. So yeah. I was just coming in here to get it now. Right. Um, you don't have it, so peace out. <laughs> right. And so another effect of that, all this planning out in advance, is a large portion of sales for Black Friday weekend are impulse buys because you're in the store, you see these crazy sales. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. just cop this, cop this. Getting the frenzy. This pick this up. That is down like crazy, really down significantly. I think some of that is probably related to there's some consumer confidence issues lately. Mm-hmm. The economy's a little down. People are more paycheck to paycheck this year than they were last year. But also, again, online store shopping planning everything out in advance right no more impulse buys so all right so i think that's about you know all i got for trends so black friday check out that link when we tweet out some interesting stats and i think could maybe cause us e-marketers to think of some things next year since online with the benefit of it increasing means there's more monies available but it's also going to be more competitive so that means those good people you got to stand out you can't just be average last thing they're going to talk about today before we get to our secret topic, is holiday e-commerce success. So if you haven't really planned much and you're looking for some quick tips on how to impress your boss this year, here are some things that you need to keep in mind to ensure that your company kind of stands out among the rest, but also just keeping up. 
So this is actually from Monetate. They provide testing services for e-commerce platforms and just really websites in general. It's a good tool. I highly recommend you checking them out. But here are some three basics that you need to keep in mind and also add some things into the mix based on my experience. So offering up deep discounts, that's a trend that's been occurring really since the beginning of holiday shopping, but it is really fierce and competitive online depending on your vertical, but pretty universal Holiday time means you best be at least 20% off or you're not even in the game. Just based on how aggressive a lot of the companies are at trying to get the dollar, especially this year I've been noticing, you really need to have at least some part of your product catalog that's pretty deeply discounted just to get the, I think, really the attention of people because of how aggressive some of the companies are out. Because of the space that we work in, I subscribe to a lot of newsletter in different verticals so I can kind of get a grasp of what are some general trends. And it's not something I necessarily see just in clothing or, you know, in all the different verticals. It's a pretty steady trend. So deep discounts definitely seems like it's something that's trending this year that you might want to consider if you haven't had something on a promotional calendar, maybe get something on there. Also, free shipping is crucial. I have some experience with this. And actually, what what I've found is people do really like free shipping, and they actually come to expect it in a lot of places. However, there also are some weariness in certain shoppers based on their prior experience with free shipping. So in particular, with one of the clients I worked with that is a rather large e-commerce seller, when we did some panel surveys of people and asked them about free shipping, a lot of them appreciated the idea But they were skeptical going in because of their past experiences, mainly around free shipping usually means extremely slow. Or two, there's also some caveats like you offer free shipping, but that's really on like five products out of your catalog and not most everything else. And I have to spend at least right five hundred dollars. (laughs) So I think there is something to be gained. Free shipping is nice, but it seems people have some skepticism coming in. So I don't think that's necessarily good enough. Depending on the shipping that you offer, you might want to throw in some additional messaging in there, fast three-day shipping or whatever your shipping arrangement is. If it's a good value proposition to offer people, you might want to get more explicit than just free to catch people's eye other than just free because at this point, they might be becoming a little bit immune to it. Lastly, they talked about maximizing key dates. So making sure that your product catalog and your stores are in order on big shopping days, that's kind of really a given. I think a more important thing to keep in mind when you're talking about key dates is really increasing and playing on urgency. So it's the holiday season, especially as we get closer to Christmas, pumping up how many days are left. You want to place your orders in before this date to make sure that you get it on time. You might even want to play into the messaging around why wait to get your Christmas shopping done, get it done now so you can enjoy the holidays, things like that. But playing into that urgency, I think, can sometimes be a little bit more important than the days you're actually marketing on, especially for people like us that like to wait at the last minute. Uh, Yeah, or for people who don't even realize. So by the time this episode drops, there'll be like two weeks left of shopping where, I mean, it came up on me so fast. I had no idea. Especially, you know, what might be interesting too, is I feel like it's a forgotten segment is international shippers or international customers to American stores might be an interesting demographic Mm -hmm. that you might want to play around with. And then the last thing I would add in there is consider 
if you think it is viable politically, again, this is getting pretty late, but kind of to your point, when you were talking about that people are getting into the, the planning mode, people are getting a little bit more smart about how they shop sales and things like that. I haven't really seen many stores offering a go ahead and buy the products now And if we ever offer it at a lower price, we'll refund you the difference Mm -hmm. over the holiday season. Because I think at that point, if someone is interested in your product, you're kind of removing that unknown of, well, should I wait? I might get it. You know, I might get another coupon for 30% off instead of this 20. Well, if you have some messaging around that might help relieve it and actually capture that sale now. And I don't know any specific stats offhand about what are the redemption rates on offers like that, but that might be something you want to play around with to capture the attention of people why they're on your page, but also remove that uneasiness or unknown of, could I potentially get this cheaper later on? Yeah, absolutely. I think those are some awesome do's for the holiday season. I want to throw in my own little don't here before okay. we jump into our secret topic. Yeah, I'm going to call someone out on this one. I don't know if you saw Ooh. this. This was a top thread on Reddit over the last week or so. GNC com had a crazy sale over the Black Friday weekend, 40% off. Like that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. 40% off everything. What they didn't tell you was that they had actually basically doubled all of their prices. Burn. So that's a don't. Don't do that. Especially don't for get people caught. who <laughs> Right. Especially for people who shop at your store, purchase products from you before they know roughly what they cost. Mm-hmm. And now they're it's creatine's twice as much. Yeah, now. I got this crazy 40% off, but wait a minute, it's like more expensive now. <laughs> so don't so do be, what GNC. Be, yeah, be did. careful. Yeah out there. All right. So for super secret topic, cause we're getting close here on time, Rob, Amazon drones, how <laughs> blown was your mind when you saw that for this? Well, yeah. First of all, set it, you, set it up. If you don't pay attention to the internet, there was a 16 minute special, which actually spawned this where Bezos, who's the owner of Amazon was interviewed on 60 minutes and actually revealed one of the pilot programs that they're working on is Amazon is it called drone? It's called Prime Air. Prime Air. Yeah. Gotcha. So what they are actually working on and in the test phases of is having a fully automated drone delivery system to essentially deliver packages to your literal doorstep by a drone aircraft and the idea is to get same day, is it 30 minute turnaround? It's, well, it's 30 minute turnaround from the warehouse, but it takes warehouse people a couple hours to get it right. packaged. So the service area is 10 miles around the distribution center, which sounds short, but in metro regions actually would cover a pretty wide area. Now, there's obviously some caveats to that if you live in like an apartment or condo complex but that's where we're going to have landing pads outside of our or you live right at that 10.1 mile radius and you go damn it there is a video of these eight blade drones that can deliver up to five pound packages straight to your doorstep so that's what amazon's working on how scared excited i'm just a mixed bag of emotions (laughs) it's the future I think that's the, the perfect description. It's the Jetsons. <laughs> perfect way to end it, especially for a company like Amazon that we both use so much. It'll be crazy to see what's actually going to happen. I mean, well, actually, you left out the most important part here, and that is that by 2015, they think they may be able to actually do this. Yeah, apparently the biggest hurdle at this point is clearing it with the FAA and getting all those right. rules set up. So they actually have functioning drones and a lot of the systems already built for it. 
But right now they're working out what limitations they need to have with using airspace and things like that. Amazon. I'm so excited. Let's do this now. So if you didn't know what you were talking about, check out the video that we're going to teach. Yeah, just Google it. There's no time for wait for a tweet. Just Google it (laughs) and be prepared to have your mind blown. But this has been episode number 37 of the Beard Markers Rob and Corey bringing out the hottest topics to you. Again, it was a little e-commerce heavy, but tis the season. Lead gen people, don't worry. We're going to have you covered for the upcoming weeks. But if you have a topic for us to cover, want to be featured on the show, or need some help, you hear these crazy guys with beards and they think they have some good ideas, and I got a problem that I can't really fix, give us a call 904-270-9603. Got a lot of experience in the industry and also have worked with a lot of people out there as well that if we don't have a solution for you or an answer, we could probably hook you up with someone that does, or we might even feature you or your problem on the show, which would be great. But until next time, again, this has been Rob and Coy. We are the Beard Markers, and we'll see you next week.